the first time they left me off the national team, like way back when, I that motivated me to work even harder. This time, I just felt like really hurt by the whole situation because I was like, they, they, they petitioned so many athletes before. Through, they know what I've been through, how good I was like four or five months yeah. ago. It hurt more than it motivated me this time around. Hey, and welcome back to a full episode of What Makes You Think, the show that flips the traditional interview format, showing you the personalities behind the personas of some of your favorite figures in gymnastics. And before we get into the episode, I just wanted to remind you that Justin Spring and I have a new show coming out on YouTube, five episode limited series called Our Chenko. You guys voted for that one, presented by Inside Gymnastics Magazine. So head over to this podcast's YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash what makes you think podcast subscribe so that you can find out immediately when those episodes are up i think you guys are really going to like it it was a super fun show to shoot because we got to totally geek out on the technical side of gymnastics we go into coaching philosophy the differences and similarities between men and women's gymnastics we share a lot of personal anecdotes and well it's just a good time because talking to justin spring is like the best time you can ever have so back to this show today is part one of what makes eddie penev think here i am with eddie penev welcome to the show eddie hi good to be with you guys Thank you so much for joining me. And before we get into this, we just need to establish, do you and I have a pre-existing relationship? If not, do we have any sort of connection? We do not. All right. So, well, we do have a little bit of a connection. Yes, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you do know uh, my parents, uh, my yep. stepdad and my mom. Uh, they yep. are gymnastics coaches. So yes, that so, is, I think the initial interaction is that way. But me and you personally, I don't exactly. think we've met. Yep. Your stepdad, Barry, who's a fantastic coach, has worked a bunch of my precision camps. So I've gotten to work closely with him and see him in action. And he's pretty awesome. And your mom, Yulia, I haven't gotten to work with her yet, but I just love seeing her. She's such a, like a joyous presence. She's really cool. So, and they're doing a great job over at RGA. That's for sure. And that's where you trained as well, right? Yeah, I grew up uh, training at RGA. Um, I haven't, you know, been there. Uh, I haven't trained there full time in a while, but I've been at RGA on and off this year. Yeah. So what actually got you into gymnastics in the first place? Was it because that's what was going on with your family and just kind of ended up in the gym? Well, yeah, pretty much. But my parents, you know, they they came from Bulgaria. They were both gymnasts in Bulgaria. They were very high level elite gymnasts. So when they came to America, they really couldn't afford babysitters or anything like that. So when they would go to the gym to coach, I would go with them and no one ever like pushed me into gymnastics, but I just spent so many hours playing in the gym. Just, it was like a bunch of free time, you know? Yeah. And I started teaching myself gymnastics. Like my parents, like really, they try to get me involved in other things, I would say, but it just happened so organically being in the gym and it was just so much fun. Was there ever a turning point where it stuck being something that you were just messing around and having fun with to something that was like, oh, wow, there's an actual like legit future in this for me? Um, You know, I, start, I started like competing gymnastics pretty late. I think I was like eight or nine, maybe. Yep. Like we really pushed off on the gym on like being serious with gymnastics until maybe I was like eight, nine. I had already been in the gym for like six years at that point. But I think once I started, I had already developed so many skills and it was pretty quick that like once I started competing, it was like pretty obvious from like the early levels that like this was something that could carry me pretty far in my life. Thank goodness men's gymnastics is not as 
as scary as it was as far as like, oh my gosh, are we going to lose this sport altogether? It mm-hmm. seems like we're, we're getting in the right direction. There's some hope there. But when yeah. you were getting into the elite ranks and were you, were you seeing college teams kind of start dwindling? Like, did that affect your motivation at all? Well, so I, I did gymnastics at Stanford University. I think maybe going into my junior or senior year, Cal Berkeley cut their was like their their uh, their program was on the chopping block, like going into like my final years at Stanford, and that was really jarring because you know they're across the bay, and it you know it makes you question. They ended up saving the program, but they had to do it at limited capacity and without scholarships and all this stuff. So it, that was really tough. And now you know like since I graduated, they've cut like Iowa and Minnesota. And that's always, it's always tough to see because NCAA gymnastics is just so much fun. And it like sets you up for elite gymnastics. It's, Mm -hmm. it's kind of the gateway, I would say. Yeah. And so what about in high school doing gymnastics? How often were you training? Oh, so many hours. (laughs) In (laughs) high school, I was like, high school was, yeah, that's like, I mean, when you're younger, obviously your body can, you know, handle more and you're, you yeah. can, you're just, it, it's, it's more, it's necessary to spend more hours developing those like fundamentals that are going to carry you on in gymnastics. So I was training over 35 hours a week. And were you going um, to school full time? I was going to school. I always went to school full time. I just, um, some days like they would let me go out of school a little bit earlier, maybe like an hour, hour and a half early. But school was really important for me. So we didn't want to do the whole homeschooling thing um, yeah. back then. Also, there was like homeschool programs were not as like developed back in, when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. So what was it like training that amount of hours and being at such a high level in a sport that I'm sure your peers didn't totally understand the way they understand other sports? It was it was a lot because, you know, like I mentioned, like school was so important to me. So like I was taking all these AP and honors classes throughout my high school, you know, my time in high school. And so it was really hard. And I don't, I, looking back, I don't know how I did it. Cause I would, you know, come back from school early, do my homework, go to gym, get back at like nine 30 sometimes and be studying till like midnight and then like wake up at six the next day. So it was a lot. And looking back, I, I kind of am amazed that I was able to do it. <laughs> yeah, because I sure couldn't do it now. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting, like that ability. And I think I, I know I was like this too. The busier I was, the more high functioning I was. And I remember there was about a three month stint where I I couldn't use my arm at all, so I was not training, mm-hmm. and my grades went down. An extra time, but the grades went down because it wasn't that like rigidity of the schedule. Yeah, yeah, no, I yeah, I mean, definitely organization and like. Uh, compartmentalizing is or like things that you really need as a gymnast and then as a student athlete it's it's just it's it's vital and sometimes yeah when you get that taken away and I and I hear that a lot from people like after gymnastics you know yeah. when they retire it just their productivity decreases because they don't have that regimen yeah. and so it's interesting I know because you'd think like oh imagine if I actually had extra time uh, how yeah. well I'd be doing and it doesn't always work that way so, so you said when you were just kind of messing around in the gym, you were kind of teaching yourself stuff and figuring things out before it got serious. Yeah. 
how much of this Yurchenko double double that I got the pleasure of seeing? Oh. <laughs> how yeah. serious was that? You messing around again? Obviously, that, older. That, at that point. Yeah, that that's that's me messing around. But I've been messing around with that skill since probably like two thousand like fifteen, since I went to the Olympic Training Center. So wow. you know, it's sometimes easier for me because uh, it's sometimes on a Yurchenko double, it's hard for me to compress, like to grab my leg. So with uh -huh. the double double, you don't have to do it. You know, you have to grab your leg. So I don't know. It's definitely just kind of for fun. So I don't yeah. think well, at this stage of my career, we're going to see that. But well, the Risei Kwang, is that a suit entry or cause entry or is that a Yurchenko entry? That's a cause so entry. No one's even done a Yurchenko with a full, full in like a Risei Kwang. So a double double would be like, like way out there. So, well, I'm just wondering if the Yurchenko yeah. full in would be like a timer for you at this point. Yeah, the, the, well, it's funny because the double double is sometimes a little bit easier because again, on the full end, you have to like, like reach and going. grab your legs and pull yourself over. With the double double, you just like keep flipping and because like a double double on floor is like the easy, like a tuck double double is like one of the easier skills for me, and it uh -huh. kind of feels like a very prolonged double double. You're you're pretty good on floor, huh? What you say? Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've done quite a bit on floor over the years. Yeah. So uh, as far as the events, and we'll get into your, your current training, I know there's a lot going on there, but as far as those events and the time that you're in the gym, are you are you spreading out over the events that you're competing on or you tend to focus on yeah. certain areas? So this year, like in 2023, I competed four events. Mm -hmm. So I, I've already had like, I have four events that I'm doing competing already this year. Um, but I've, I've recently started training P-bars and I'm slowly, slowly getting into rings because I might have to do it next year, the all around, but mm -hmm. I preferably, I would rather not, but we'll see. So I'm all around is still, it, it's like a card on the table, but I focus on the four events mostly. Mm -hmm. All right. So you have had two different nationality changes as far as the countries that you're representing. Can you talk to us about the first time you made the change? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I started, you know, during high school, I could be up for Bulgaria. Before I got to Sanford, I had all these amazing opportunities. I was traveling all over the world, competing at world championships, um, European championships. But then as I got into college, it became harder to fulfill, like, uh, like the, the time obligation, like traveling back and forth. It was really hard. I mean, going from like the West Coast to Europe. And yeah. it, and I felt like, you know, also my teammates and the people around me were all pushing for Team USA. And I kind of wanted to be a part of that and mm -hmm. make it easier for myself academically. So with the, with, with the obligations, you know, yeah. traveling, it, it's really hard. It's school. It is really hard to go take a week off for a camp or, you know, it, yeah. it, it was just the easier thing to do, even though you know, it was a huge gamble because, you know, making Team USA is so difficult. And Well, you were you were in it at the time that you needed to be shining. And I, I'm so yeah. sorry about the untimely injury. And I was actually yeah. with your oh, yeah. stepdad when he found out. And he didn't tell anybody what was wrong. But you could see that there was something that was that was really, really heavy. And then I think we all found out a couple of days later, like, oh, that's what was going on. So I'm so sorry yeah. to hear about that. But I'm so glad that you're still mm -hmm. in it and that we still get to see your gymnastics. And now yeah. you're for Bulgaria again. Yes. So talk yeah, to us about I, that. So in 2021, I was going into, you know, Olympic trials. I was probably in the best shape of my life. And yeah. I ultimately was doing an upgraded vault that I wanted to, like, 
unveil at championships because I felt like that was like the thing that was going to lock in my spot. Yeah. And, you know, I was doing it great. I'd been training it great. And, you know, one inner squad, a little fatigued and, you know, landed short, long story short, I, you know, yeah. tore my ACL again. And so I kind of, I had to step back and really think about what I wanted to do. The previous times I'd injured my knee, I'd always been like, you know, dead set on coming back even stronger, you know, doing all the, like doing anything I could to get back as fast as possible. This time I kind of took some time to evaluate and see where, you know, see what I wanted to do. I had almost like given up on gymnastics and then, you know, towards the end of last year, so this is 2022, I started feeling a little bit better, but then I knew it was just going to be an uphill battle. You know, they didn't put me on the national team. Like, you know, I petitioned after my injury and I thought, you know, after everything I had done all the years, you know, they would, you know, accept my petition. They didn't. So I really had to reevaluate what I wanted to do. And I decided that, you know, I'm going to give this one more go. I'm going to do everything I possibly can. But I thought to myself, and I wanted the most opportunities and chances to compete while still being at a high level. You know, if it was, I didn't even know if it was going to be possible, but I wanted the most opportunities. And so I decided again to, to go back to Bulgaria for like the final chapter, if you will. Yeah. 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 So how much of not being named to that U.S. national team was fuel for you? I mean, at the time I was just up this, like, cause it's happened to me before after injuries, like back in like 2014, it happened when they were, this has happened to me before, but this time it was kind of just like a, wow, this, like, I, you know, the, the first time they left me off the national team, like way back when I, that motivated me to work even harder. This time I just felt like really hurt by the whole situation because I was like, they, they, they petitioned so many athletes before through, they know what I've been through, how good I was like four or five months yeah. ago. Yeah. You were and chilling. this time I kind of, it, it kind of defeated me a little bit um, yeah. because I didn't know if I was going to, con- I was already kind of questioning it. And this time it really like kind of like put me out of it for a while. And, you know, yeah, that, that one, it, it, it hurt more than it motivated me this time around this time. Yeah. I had to really take the time to get them. The motivation had, did not come from that right at all to be honest (laughs) yeah no that makes sense i mean you already experienced enough heartache we experienced heartache for you so can't even imagine how that felt for you um and yeah it is kind of crazy we i guess we don't know the why but it doesn't really make much sense considering where you were so how's your training going now my training is good um so my my season effectively ended last month and yeah i feel good the training's good you know i'm gearing up for next year's competition so nice yeah nice all right and you do have your brother kevin who i'm very excited to record with him yeah. I, I think next week we're doing it he's got some exciting stuff going on but you told me before we started recording that he is nearby yes he's right here hey kev <laughs> Hi, Hi, Kevin. Hi. Nice to meet you. Good. How are you? So, what's the age difference between you guys? Ten years, nine and a half. Before being, you know, not to age myself. Hey, you know what? I (laughs) I know that game. Trust me. So, Kevin, 
first of all, congratulations to you, but this is not your episode, so we're not going to dive too deep into it. But I want to know from you, what what was it like watching your brother do the great things he was doing in gymnastics when you were little? And did it make you want to beat him? Did it make you want to be like him? What was that like? Well, first of all, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. Watching him when I was younger, I think I was always like inspired by Eddie on floor and vault. Um, we always like, I just grew up on the trampoline and seeing my brother uh, doing those stuff on the trampoline. I just wanted to be just like him uh, this year. I mean, yes, there was definitely competition between us, but I learned a lot from my brother. He, for me, I felt like I've trained a lot in the last few months and I worked really hard in the gym and I thought that, you know, the results would show, but I haven't really had competition experience in the last four years. And my brother's had so much experience. So I really um, admired how consistent he was when he competed. And so for me, I think I need more, more competition experience in order to get to the level that he's at. Yeah. Yeah. But that is experience to watch somebody yeah. so close to you have that experience, have those. And this is the first year we competed together because he was like when I was competing for Team USA, he was still a junior. Actually, no, there was a little bit of overlap, but this was the first time we were together on a world stage competing at all the World Cups we did. So it yeah. was it was a very different experience for us, I must say. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And Kevin, what's it like for somebody that you're so close with to see something like what happened to your brother in 2021 with his really untimely injury? How did that affect you? I mean, sorry to keep bringing it, it up, Eddie. It's the last time. Yeah, it was a lot. I mean, I seen it happen the first time in Pan Ams, and it was a very hard moment. And then to hear it happen again was just so sad because I really didn't think that he had that chance of making that Olympic team. And I know how much he wanted it. And he's just, he's always persevering in the gym and he's always working hard. He's extremely ambitious. And to hear it happen again, just, you know, right before the Olympic trials, it's just, it's so sad. But to see him, you know, compete again this year, recovering from uh, the ACL surgery and to win the World Cup series is just unbelievable. Yeah. It is unbelievable. So are you guys training side by side? Yeah. Yeah. For now, when, when my brother's at home, yes. For the yeah. most part, not really. He's in Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. We've been, I'm on and off. I'm like going, I'm a lot of, I spend a lot of my time either in Europe or in Colorado. I'll come home occasionally. And when we're in Europe, we're training together. And then when I come home, we're training together. So even though I don't live here, technically we do spend a lot of time training together. Yeah. So does that change anything for you, Eddie? having your brother there with you? Um, well, yeah, it definitely does. I, you know, I, you know, the last couple of years, I haven't really had that many training partners the last year, like since recovering, I've been kind of on my own pushing through stuff because I haven't been in the gym as much. And yep. having a training partner is really nice. And it's like a totally different thing when it's your family. It's just like, you look at, you know, the dynamic is just totally different. And it yeah. it's really special because, you know, you're going through so much such like tough situations all the time and yeah. like, stressful situations. And it's, it, it means a lot to have my brother there. So do you guys ever turn it off though? Like right now you guys are hanging out. I know you're doing this interview, but like, yeah. are you talking about gymnastics I, yeah. all the I time? Or Once I'm not yeah. in the gym, I'm not in the gym. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin's right. still, you know, he's like still like gung ho all in even at, you know, he's, which he should be. He's 23. He's in mm -hmm. like, you know, the prime of his 
of his, you know, athleticism and career. So he's all yeah. in. I'm like totally different person <laughs> outside the gym. Yeah. Yeah. Give it a few years, Kevin. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to, we're going to release you, Kevin. I can't wait to have your episode coming up soon. It's going to be a blast. But right now, Eddie, are you ready to get into some videos? Yep. Okay. All right. Let's do it. Region 6, this is for you. If you are a level 6 through 10 athlete or coach in Region 6, listen up. Give your athlete the gift of their best championships ever. Precision and Region 6 have paired up for the level 6 through 10 peak season clinic designed to maximize scoring potential just in time for regionals and nationals. Athletes will work with top clinicians, judges, and coaches as they receive in-depth feedback on all events and fine-tune the details that will help them stand out on the regional and national stage. This clinic is reserved specifically for Region 6 regional qualifiers and here's the best part we know that no one can predict the future but I urge you to get your athletes registered through meet reservations and if for some reason they don't end up qualifying you'll get fully refunded for that athlete you can even swap out athletes but we want you to get your athletes in there ASAP because it is going to fill and here's a little bit of information on it so this is going to be happening on Sunday April 7th at world-class gymnastics in Latham New York Registration is through meet reservations. Coaches attend free. We do permit swapping athletes based on actual qualification. And specific session times will be distributed a little closer to the event, but we will consider travel time when we're placing people in sessions. If you went to this last year, you know how valuable it is. One of the greatest bits of feedback I got from one of the coaches that attended was that she truly felt as though the athletes that attended the clinic were at an advantage going into their final meets of the season. And that's really the goal. So head over to USA Gymnastics, meet reservations, look up the Region 6 Peak Season Clinic and get those rosters in ASAP. Well, 2023 is coming to a close and it's a great time to look back on the year we've had and be thankful for our experiences. You know, I've gotten to work really closely with TumbleTrack this year, and I know if there's one thing that they're thankful for, it's the support they've received from the gymnastics community. That's you guys. They dedicate themselves to providing quality products and helpful education, but none of that would be possible without the support of the coaches, athletes, gym owners, and parents that truly make up the TumbleTrack family. So they are finishing off 2023 with another great live event on athlete nutrition featuring Carrie Bear on December 27th at 12.30 p.m. Register for the event on their website at tumbletrack.com forward slash events. Again, that's T-U-M-B-L-T-R-A-K dot com forward slash events and don't miss out on what i personally know from firsthand experience what will be an incredibly beneficial event featuring carrie bayer but right now eddie are you ready to get into some videos yep all right let's do it okay what are we looking at here okay yeah 2016 pngs i had fallen on vault the first day and it's my best event i had think you know one of my best events and so Doing the half on double, stuck it, which is probably the only time I've stuck it at a U.S. competition. And I, like I said, I had, I had a fall the first day, so that really that vault was really important to get me to 2016 Olympic trials, and that was the last event on day two. Not only did you stick it, you fell the first day, and then you're like, I'm gonna stick and get a 9.8 e score. Like, yeah, I thought that was that? a little generous, but hey, yeah, take it, but take it, double, double, take it, a little generous. Uh, but yeah, no, that was, yeah, you know, vault, it was one of my best events. And, you know, I always, I was always shooting for that vault title or being, you know, on the podium. And I knew yep. it wasn't going to happen because when, you know, they combined your score. So I was like, well, 
for the sake of getting the Olympic trials, which was a goal for that particular, you know, that was, I was more about getting trials that quad and maybe, you know, pushing an alternate position. Yeah. That vault was really important. Yeah. Your reaction was pretty amazing too. Yeah. I was like, thank God. (laughs) I was like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) But it's true. I mean, yeah, maybe the numbers aren't going to add up because of the fall, but there's something so valuable about just showing what you can do. Yeah. And because also we in the U.S., we use a point system. So for each day of competition, you get points. So if you're mm-hmm. first, you get 10 points. If you're second, you know, whatever points. And so, you know, that was an opportunity to get, you know, I think I was probably first, I'm guessing. that I, I don't really know, but I think I was first on day two. Let's let's go with first. I like that for you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We are going to head over to Montreal now. Oh, okay. Oh, you sound thrilled. <laughs> well, yeah. This is a, yeah. This was a this was a tough situation. This was a really you know my first world championships representing the U.S. and it was just it was such an honor. Honestly, uh, the equipment was fantastic. Yes. Well, I yeah I like the floor. I think we had mixed reviews there. Definitely a little, a little like bouncy on this routine because, you know, it's qualifications. You're kind of, you know, it's an individual world. There's no team. So it's like, this yeah. is it. You know, your competition, usually when you're with Team USA, there's a team competition to look forward to or something like that. I had done so many different types of routines this year. This is 2017. Like I said, uh-huh. I had played around with whip half to a double pike half forwards. Yeah, we took that out. Now I went back to this routine. Double double down semi down the side. You're that was all easy, that was a trademark. Yeah, that was a, that was kind of a trademark that year. This pass bring back like the two thousand era, the one and a half front full front Rudy. Okay, so this makes me so happy yeah. because I do a ton of, yes, ton of yeah. lectures, yeah. and so much of it is talking about don't wait and hope that the floor is there when you're ready to punch. You can actually look at it and watching complex passes like this. And you can see you're looking at the ground over your shoulder. You're looking at it in front of you. Like you are in charge of what you're doing because you can see it. So it just makes me so happy. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is years of tumble track. Years of tumble track. That's where, you know, you learn those connection passes. Mm -hmm. I think at least in my case. Yeah, triple hole dismount, kind of hop for the floor was really bouncy. So the this was, you know, a decent routine for me. It wasn't my best. You know, I ended up, I think, sixth in the qualification, but two per country. And so I wasn't able to compete in the finals because yeah. Donnell and Yule did stronger routines than me that day. And they deserved to but- go to the finals. It's, it's a really tough situation, but it is. It is. And I know a lot of people are really disappointed to not see you in that final because of the quality of what you do. But yeah, yeah, no, it was that's what yeah. happens when you're on a strong team like Team USA. Yeah. And you have to, you know, always you have to perform at your best. And this was not quite my best. It was just a little bit not settled. So proud of the routine. Obviously, sixth place in the world, you know, yeah, not the yeah, worst. Not too shabby. Not too shabby at all. Yeah, that was a that was a funky world. Yeah, yeah, the injuries and the equipment and the yeah. yeah, They even like had the this. I don't know how much this is known, but like they found out that some of the floorboards weren't together. Oh yeah, in one of the corners, and so like one subdivision like had got the opportunity to repeat floor, Mm -hmm. put some people through finals, you know, with that repeat. But yeah, yeah. So you didn't have any issues like that though. Well, I did wobble in that one corner before the last pass, but I think that's more just me. (laughs) (laughs) How professional of you to say that. All right. We are jumping forward. Mm. 2021 U.S. Championships Day 2. 
on floor and where's this guy's head at um you gotta nail this routines if you want to go to trials you know and these scores are all averaged in for that specialist spot and so this was the best floor routine of my life just everything flowed yeah i get mixed mixed reviews when i go over routines with athletes they either th remember that they were so dialed in or they go i don't even remember doing that routine Oh, here's another classic wobble. So, you know, couldn't blame those floorboards that time. No. <laughs> yeah, double over. Yeah. No, this was really one of the cleanest routines I've ever done in my life. It was just, I was so well trained going into this competition. I had done so many routines. I even did a triple double the first day of competition for the first pass, but just to save the body a little bit, just, you know, not to risk it and to go out clean and, you know, hit one more day. Mm -hmm. we decided to take out the triple double, but I was doing, I was even doing layout triple doubles on the floor at this wow. training. So we had so many things we could have done in Tokyo, but yeah. And then stuck the last pass. Yeah. yeah this you was did. probably, this was, this was maybe the highlight, one of the highlights of my career, this floor routine. And it just, this was, again, I had come back from, you know, two ACL surgeries at this point. So it, this was, this was big. And I ended up winning floor at this competition. Mm -hmm. Had the highest score of my career of the of the quad, I guess. So, and you don't do any sort of floor pommel stuff, like flares um, and things like that. In your no, no this. flares, no flares. But I do Russians, like the Russians now, which are also a pommel horse skill. Here, I didn't do it because um, just the way the routine, like the difficulty. I had enough difficulty where it was just better to do a, a clean press and fulfill that requirement. Okay, so there's um, no special requirement of doing what do you what would you even call that? Floor? So it's a non they call it non acrobatic. So okay. you can do flares, you can do flare spindles, you can do the Russians, which is like kind of the circle spinny, you know, mm -hmm. things. I do those now, or you can do some sort of press. And I just, you know, to fulfill the requirement, I did the press because I already had enough difficulty in their routine where it didn't really, it really didn't uh, need so it. Windmills don't count. Well, yeah, wind, windmills do count. Yeah, um, they do. Like yeah. on their own, if you just did windmills. Uh oh, the oh, okay. I'm thinking about the. I don't know what they're called, but where you do like the butterfly kick. No, windmills are the ones. I think those are. I honestly don't quote me here, but I don't even know if those are in the code of points. Those are just kind of a style thing to get out of flares. Right, like a transition. Someone, yeah. yeah, I could be wrong on this, but I thought you were talking about the butterfly where you do like kind of like that barrel roll in there. Butterfly twist. Which yeah. I, yeah, which is a non-acrobatic. Um, I know one of the Illinois guys does it. I'd like to see it because so many people just do not over the top aerials and try to call those butterfly. It's not the same thing. Yeah, they used to be popular back in the day, but now um I don't see them too much. But yeah, Connor McCool, I think that's the, I'm looking at it now. Yeah. He does cool. them. So Yeah, I find it's really hard. Even though gymnasts are doing technically things that are way harder than a butterfly twist regarding how many times you're flipping and twisting, but it's that idea of being horizontal to the floor that just feels so foreign. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? I tried it, and it it's not pretty. I, I always <laughs> want to flip. I always want to flip, so it, it gets kind of dangerous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, because that's that's the world you live yeah. in. <laughs> And I have to comment on your Rudy technique because it's very textbook. I mean, you're like up and twist. Well, thank you. I know that's like a basic for you, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah, a lot of tumble track and trampoline over the years that. Yeah. I know a lot of people are curious about this one. Oh, yeah. Okay. Where are we? 
this is the last World Cup I did this year. Oh, this is a whole final. Okay, okay. We're yeah. gonna, I thought we were trying to show the floor. But no, no, it's, it's you know, it happens. So vault, I made vault finals. This is the last uh, the World Cup I was at last month in Hungary. And yeah. Um, so um, the coach accidentally put in the, the, the springboard with five springs, which is predominantly reserved for the women. Mm-hmm. So... I went for the vault and I felt like I bottomed out and I landed my vault. I didn't even salute, which kind of disrespectful should have, I, but I was just so shocked. Well, yeah. I, I, I didn't sal- even salute. I, I immediately like, like was like, okay, I'm fine. And then I, you see me point to the board and that, cause I yep. realized even before looking at it, I was like, that's the women's board, even though I've never used it. I've never used right. the women's board. And it's so, you know, I wasn't worried about like, I can always, like stop twisting and know where I am. It's more about the entry because it's so soft. You can really like crunch your fingers or like hit your head. That was, that's like the danger in it. It's not even the post flight. The post flight, I can always like find a way to land on my feet. And so I'm now I have my second ball. I'm like, do I even do it? I'm going to get last in this final anyway, you know, and you know, vaulting is always a risk, especially with my history and like this vault that I, you know, that I'm about to do is not super comfortable for me. And so it was really sad because, you know, I had a chance to medal and yeah. apart from like the dangerous side of it. And so I was like, all right, well, I might as well do it. Yeah. So That's a new vault for me. So, yeah. Okay. So tell everybody what that vault was that you said. It was it's just one. not that big of a vault. It's a souk with a double twist. So basically this quadranium, they changed the rules on vault. So you can't do a Yanchenko and a Yanchenko with a half twist. Those are considered the same type of vault. And so mm-hmm. just get, this is vault I started like four or five months ago. So wow, yeah, it was my second time competing it. Last time I competed it probably before this year was in 2010 wow. or 11. And it was again, one of those moments where you're like, do I even do this vault or should I just be safe? I'm going to get last anyway. But I was like, you know what? Fight to the bitter end and you know, it is yeah. what it is. And it's just, I, yeah, I was just, yeah, very, very upset about that one. I don't know if it's more impressive that you got that new vault so quickly or that you did a Yurchenko full from your head. They're yeah. both very impressive. Yeah. The, I just, I, yeah, I was so, uh, I, yeah, I'm still very bitter about that one. But at the end of the day, I didn't get injured. And so right. that's the most important thing. From now on, I will be setting my own board. Yeah. <laughs> I can't tell you how many people are like, you got to ask him about the board. What happened? Like, well, I think it just got set yeah. wrong, but we'll, well talk I about got, it. Yeah, I got so many messages. Well, the, like I got a lot of messages like right after asking if I got hurt. Because, you know, everyone, you know, they, a lot of or a lot of people know what, what my history. And yeah, so yeah. I just wanted to, I went on Instagram and clarified them. Like I did not get hurt. It, it was just a board that, you know, I run pretty hard into that Yanchenko. So it felt like I hit the bottom of the floor maybe they need to make those boards different colors just saying yes that's what some i think barry actually said that they should make make them different colors or something it like 95 percent of the men don't use the soft board so i don't even know what it was doing there yeah well i guess the five percent right (laughs) yeah i guess yeah i don't really know i didn't see anybody else using it but (laughs) (laughs) All all right we're going back in time all right we're going back in time are you ready Okay. All right. Here oh, we go. wow. 
I mean, are you really surprised? You just got to come back next week and listen to part two of What Makes Eddie Penev Think, because you're really going to want to hear what he has to say. Until then, remember, you can reach out to me directly by email at youthinkpod at gmail.com, on Facebook and Instagram at Nicole Langevin Consultant, and on Twitter at youthinkpod. And remember, go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Bye.